Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. Hey everyone, I am so grateful for all of the downloads, and I'd love a rating on iTunes and a comment. And please subscribe. It helps the show's rating so other people can find it and learn how to age well. And if you are loving the podcast, why not check out the companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. You can access it through my website, NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging. It's based on the Harvard Study of Adult Development, and I'm really proud of how it's turned out. Well, I've got my coffee in my hand and my trusty dog Sparky beside me, so let's begin. In today's podcast, I'm going to take the mic to talk about eating disorders and eating problems in older women. Before I began my research on aging well, I was a psychotherapist specializing in eating disorders for 25 years and I've treated hundreds and hundreds of women with varying degrees of this disorder. Some of them are just chronic dieters who realize that they spend far too much time thinking about every carb or calorie that goes into their bodies and some are so worried about their weight that it ruins their lives. But before we go on, let's just quickly review the three major types of eating disorders. Anorexia is the one you're probably most familiar with. Uh, it's about the fear of gaining weight. Um, you'll see women being quite underweight and uh, they will actually still see themselves as fat. So there's a whole kind of uh, distortion of reality that goes along with anorexia. Bulimia is the situation where a person's eating a large amount of calories in a short time, feeling out of control, and will get rid of these calories by vomiting, exercise, or other what they call compensatory means. Um, and then there's binge eating disorder, which is eating a large amount, again, in a pretty short time, feeling out of control, but then there's no compensatory behavior. And it's important to remember that these uh, disorders are described in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which changes and has evolved uh, through the years. So these are guidelines. They're not set in stone. Eating disorders are partially about managing anxiety, and they often emerge during times of transition. So you can see why they develop around midlife as well as adolescence. But that being said, eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any psychological disorder. So it's important to intervene before the disorder really gets its claws in. And the longer it's been active, typically the harder it is to recover. We're seeing more and more women with eating disorders in midlife, and sometimes the disorder has been 
dormant. It may have been active in the teen years, and then it reemerges during this second very tumultuous time. Um, and sometimes it just develops in midlife. The Renfrew Center, which is the gold standard for treatment facilities, uh, reported that in the past decade, there's been a 42% increase in the number of women over the age of 35 who have sought treatment at their clinic. So that is a huge, huge increase. Body and weight concerns are very real for older women, and many women are still putting energy into trying to lose weight. Sometimes the goal of dieting is to be more healthy, and sometimes it's an attempt to get back the younger body we may long for. It's like dieting our aging bodies into submission. It's a loss to see our bodies changing in ways that societal messages tell us are shameful. Especially if we got a lot of attention for our looks. Our bodies changing shape and size can be downright traumatic. But diets can develop a life of their own. And what was what used to feel like it was under your control starts controlling you. Your thoughts, your behavior, your life, and your ability to just eat in a joyful, balanced way. None of this is really surprising. There's a lot going on during middle age to adjust to. There are the major transitions and losses. For example, mothers who have spent so much of their time and energy parenting are sending their kids off. Parents and friends may be ill and need caretaking. One's identity is so much in flux. And eating disorders are a great distraction from uncomfortable feelings. They let us put our lives in a safe container instead of allowing ourselves to feel invisible, sad, or jealous, for example. We can focus on carbs, points, calories, or pounds. It's not really about the food. It's about trying to make ourselves feel better. And if there's trouble in the marriage, and our 50s is a time when women realize that many might start dieting and attempt to be healthy or even compete with younger women. So what we see is that what starts out as a diet becomes an obsession. And to make matters worse, initially the woman may receive praise and compliments like, you look great, how are you doing it? And that is so hard to resist for anyone. All eating disorders initially start out as a well-intentioned diet. I'd really want to underscore that. Hey there, more of the interview in just a second. Now it's time for a quick shameless plug for my Zestful Aging web course and my newsletter, Breathe, Taste, Savor. Hop on over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging 
no spaces to find out more. So how do we treat eating disorders, particularly in middle life and beyond? Well, I approach it as a way to solve a problem. It's actually an elegant way to funnel all of our angst about aging into a small, manageable package that we feel we can control. Unfortunately, it has dangerous consequences, but I like to explore with my client what is distressing in her life, what's missing, and I ask how the eating disorder is working for her, which actually may sound paradoxical. What would she miss without the eating disorder, and how is it helping her cope? I take a non-judgmental approach because nobody wakes up one day and decides to have an eating disorder. It is a really awful way to live and it sucks all of the pleasure out of life. I remember watching a Dr. Phil episode where he supposedly cured a severely anorexic patient by describing all of the physical harm she was doing to herself. Now in real life there is no sense trying to scare people out of these behaviors. You can talk about physical consequences all day long. The psychological and physical power of an eating disorder can be so intense that no logic can penetrate. People have to be really sick of having an eating disorder to engage fully in recovery. Of course, some women are pushed into treatment by their loved ones, but if they're not ready, it can become a real power struggle, and I know I'm never going to win that but it can be heartbreaking because I know that they're suffering and they're doing extreme, sometimes irreversible damage to their bodies. A big part of recovery is to learn to be compassionate with oneself. And I ask my clients, what do they really want? And that can be a scary question. I have them ask themselves what they think will change once they're a certain weight or a certain dress size. And many times there's this fantasy that everything's going to be great and life will be perfect. Recovery is tough in a society that tells us that thinner is happier and healthier. It turns out neither of those beliefs are true. Don't forget that the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry partly because it has so many repeat customers. Look at Weight Watchers. It's one of the best financial decisions Oprah made because people keep coming back. The diet industry is not in the business of telling women that they are fine the way they are. They're in the business of creating discomfort and shame, so we buy their crappy products. And, by the way, the long-term failure rates of diets are between 95 and 98 percent.
It's so interesting to see women post-bariatric surgery. I see them in my practice fairly regularly. And they are surprised to find that life is still messy, it's challenging, it's confusing, even though they're wearing a smaller size dress. Because eating and food problems have been such a focus for me and a passion uh, over my psychotherapy career, I'll be inviting more guests on the podcast to talk about the challenge of being peaceful and healthy around food and our bodies. It's such an important subject. I see so many women wasting their precious time worrying about carbs, points, and calories. If you want to learn more, I have a whole list of resources on eating on my website, NicoleChristina.com, and I also have an online course called Diets Don't Work, But Mindful Eating Does. We'll be talking more about this really important subject, and I'd love to hear your comments and concerns. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. Please subscribe, comment, and rate me on iTunes. I love those five stars. Like and share. Those actions help other people find the show. And I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. Want more zest? Head over to NicoleChristina.com forward slash zestful aging, no spaces, where you can find my companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.